Hey gang, welcome to another exciting episode of National Bugle Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network, RBN Republic Broadcasting dot org. It's the um, early morning workout of free speech because you get up early and you go to go to the gym or whatever and you start pumping iron and it gets you going. So uh, get RBN going. Actually, it is having rough financial times, so send fundage, which is actually badly needed. Send it to 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas, 78664. Phone it into 1-800-724-2719, extension 3. Operators are standing by. This is Monday morning, and we've got with us Mark Collett. Mark, welcome to the show. Hello, Patrick. It's good to be here. Um, I'm very much looking forward to speaking about the issues of the day, and I just want to echo what you've said. Uh, If people value shows like this, and if people value genuine freedom of speech and the the ability to talk about the things that are important, you know, please do consider making a contribution. Uh, It is very important to say this, but if people don't make a contribution then you may well end up losing the networks and the shows that you you love and that you rely on and that you enjoy and it's the same across the board with 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 all of us we we don't get um, huge amounts of big name advertisers we are shut down we are attacked you know, often you know there are numerous you know vexatious legal claims brought against studios or organizations or individuals on the dissident right and essentially that leaves us in a position where we do need the support of the people who listen to and enjoy our show so you know please do consider giving something yeah and with rbn uh you know you're getting a whole bunch of shows there's economies of scale going on here so you the the one contribution just helps a whole bunch of shows if if um we all had our own YouTube channels. That would be one thing, but many of us cannot have YouTube channels because we've been kicked off. Mark, uh, he informed me that I got kicked off my YouTube channel. What was that? Five or six years ago when we were doing, I think it was one of those horrible moments where we were plugging your stuff live on a show and we were like, your channel's not there anymore, Patrick. And, And that, that is literally the kind of, you know, crap that we have to put up with. You can literally one day you're there and the next day you're gone. And the same thing happened to me, my entire catalog. So my channel, and I, I, I know I'm, you know, my channel was in good standing. I didn't have a single strike on my channel. There was no active, uh, there was no active strikes or infractions on my channel. And one day I woke up email uh you know your channel's being closed down you know you can appeal it here if you don't agree with our decision so i was like okay well i do want to appeal this i I would very much like to appeal this so i went to appeal it and on attempting to appeal it i reached this point where they told me i couldn't appeal it so why couldn't i appeal it well i couldn't appeal it because fundamentally what what they done they had made it so it looked like I'd never had a Google account before. And at that point, you realize that uh, fundamentally, it's a, it's basically a you know a horrible conspiracy to keep us off platforms such as uh, YouTube. And there's very little you can do. And at this point, the censorship is only getting worse. I mean, we've had a slight reprieve over on Twitter, and some people got their Twitters back, some people then lost their Twitters again. And really, 
I, I thought it was good when people got their Twitters back. I thought it was good when I got my Twitter back. Then I lost my Twitter because they were like, well, actually, we didn't really want to give it to you back. So I was like, oh, OK, then what am I going to do? So I'm I'm off there again. And it, it does seem as though, you know, you have these momentary reprieves. But overall, things are clearly going in one direction. Things are clearly moving in a more censorious way to ensure that really there is no freedom of speech. And I should imagine that with the upcoming presidential election this year, the powers that be will move even more harshly against anyone willing to you know, talk about things from a, from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, for instance, my YouTube channel, it was never monetized. I never bothered monetizing it because I, I didn't think there was a point. Uh, I was putting up, uh, well, actually what I was doing was putting up uh, my RBN shows there. I was transforming them into YouTube videos. And I've been doing my RBN shows. Uh, it's not monetized for me. But what RBN does is a, it it doesn't charge the hosts a fee. Uh, the hosts provide their services for free. RBN provides its services to the hosts for free. But somebody's somebody's got to pay for something. We we have a little bit of advertising, um, but it we need the the listener support. And you know it's it's one thing if YouTube shuts you down because they're malicious, but if R, if RBN shuts down, it's not because um, some some external force was malicious. It will be because of lack of uh, listener support. And so the onus is on you guys. Okay, well, let's um, let us continue. Uh, we were going to talk about stuff that's going on around the world today, and one thing that's going on around the world is you've got uh, this escalating situation in the Middle East. The um, at the center of it is this Israeli attempt to depopulate Gaza, destroy it, and then. Uh, then incorporate it into Israel in a way that it never was before and rebuild it uh, minus any Palestinian residents. And meanwhile, they are doing this, trying to do the same thing in the West Bank. It doesn't get talked about as much because it's not as dramatic, but uh, they're just, they are letting their 700,000 extremist illegal alien settlers in the West Bank, just go on a rampage and terrorize the uh, the what the th- two or I guess it'd be about three million Palestinians who live there. So anyway, Mark, what do you make of all this? Well, this is really interesting because when we 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 live in the West, obviously, and when people talk about systems of governance, they talk always in in the West about democracy. Democracy is your big buzzword so you know when you when you talk about or when you when when people in general talk about uh, governance we talk about democracy and democracy is the idea of political representation it's the idea that people vote for representatives and then they send those representatives to a parliament or an elected body and they represent the people and democracy is then meant to be the will of the people so when you send your representatives to a parliament or a body, those representatives talk about the things that the people want. They talk about the things that you know they were elected to discuss. 
and that's I think a pretty accurate take on how democracy works um, but democracy to the powers that be doesn't work if they don't get the result that they want to get and I think that's the important thing and in Gaza um, and in the West Bank Jews want complete domination they want complete domination and they intend to get that pretty much at, at, at any cost and the only way they can get that is by defranchising or the Palestinian people, sorry, or disenfranchising, should I say, the Palestinian people. And that's an issue because that's not democracy. That's not democracy at all. And the idea of a one-state solution seems the fairest. Well, it's a patch of land that different people live on. There are Jews, there are, um, you know, there are Israeli Jews, there are Palestinian Muslims, and there are also uh, small numbers of other groups, most notably uh, Christian minorities, that actually, uh, some of them live in Israel, and some of them live in Gaza or the West Bank. And if those people were all governed equally, if they were all given a vote, and they said, this, this piece of land is for us all, this is equality, this is for us all, and they were all given a vote, what would happen most likely is, and they were all treated as equals, what would happen most likely is over time the Palestinians, the Palestinian Muslims would grow uh, in number the quickest and they would organise and they would vote their representatives into parliaments or local bodies or assemblies and they would start to have an increasing say over the way that Israel as a country was run. So they would have representation and they would also have a voice and a say in how Israel was governed. And that is exactly what uh, Israeli Jews don't want. So everything that you're seeing happening now in Gaza is essentially a way to ensure that people are herded into one area once they're herded into that area, they are uh, denied any form of um, representation in Israel under the Israeli government. So although they're essentially under the control of the Israeli government, which they are, I think that's undeniable, they have no representation within that government. So at this point, you have apartheid or you have a situation, you know, if you, if you want to call it apartheid, it's, it's actually far harsher than apartheid. But you have a situation where an entire ethnic group are basically stripped of their rights and live under the control of another ethnic group that get to vote and have a say on how they live. So the Palestinian Muslims live under the, the rule of Israeli Jews and the Israeli Jews have a right to vote people into parliament, into their uh, Knesset, in order to legislate for how people who don't have a vote and therefore don't have a voice live their lives and how they're treated. Now, this is quite an interesting point because nowhere else in the world would something like this be allowed to happen. So if tomorrow a government came to power, let's say in Eastern Europe, and said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to only grant voting rights to the white people in that country and the ethnic minority groups the muslims living in that country won't get a vote they won't get any representation 
and they'll be just put in one area, an area that they're not allowed to leave and an area that we completely control. And white voters choose elected officials who will then decide how the people in that really open air prison camp live. That would be something that would be seen as completely outrageous. Not only would it be seen as completely outrageous, I actually believe that something like that would lead to potentially a war, would lead to a, a situation where fundamentally um, you would have America, Britain and other NATO powers saying we need to change this. There needs to be at the very least sanctions, but more likely some kind of in, you know, invasion or military intervention in order to change the government of that country's minds and, and stop them behaving in that way. But obviously with the state of Israel, that never happens and it's never going to happen. The state of Israel have basically created this um, situation in uh, the Middle East because they want Israel to be a place only for Jews, only for Jews. And that is why they're doing what they're doing. And this is a privilege that no other racial group on the planet would have. And it's very, very interesting. But they also won't allow a two-state solution. Why won't they have a two-state solution? Well, a two-state solution also presents problems because of the way they have treated Palestinians. Palestinians are always going to vote for a political party or organization that is hostile to the state of Israel. So by creating a two state solution, you grant these people land, power of self-governance, etc. But in doing so, you, you instantly create a hostile neighbor on Israel's borders. So at this point, there is no solution to the issue in occupied Palestine. There's no solution at all other than the solution to drive all Palestinians out. So the land de facto becomes Israeli land. And once it becomes Israeli land, they have complete dominion over it. They move Israeli Jews onto that land and the greater Israel project flourishes. And nobody in Israel, except for a tiny few minorities, which would be inconsequential, has any real voting rights. And equally, there are fewer enemies on Israel's borders. So you're never going to get a single state solution because they wouldn't allow it because it means they wouldn't hold dominion over the uh, over the Palestinian Muslims. And they're never going to grant a two state solution because by doing that, they would be acknowledging that that land is rightfully the Palestinians land and then giving the people of Palestine the right to govern themselves over their sovereign land which would instantly create an enemy on their border they're not going to do either of those things and that is why the only solution that israel seeks is either annihilation of the palestinians and if it's not annihilation it is the complete displacement of palestinians and i did actually write or produce one of my um, weekly videos recently about this very issue saying that fundamentally what we were going to see was potentially the 2.2 million Palestinians living in Gaza largely being displaced. And there's actually reports from um, leading players in the Israeli establishment talking about how they hope for around 2 million of the 2.2 million Palestinians living in Gaza to actually leave and to be taken by other countries, potentially the West. They tried to court Tony Blair at one point to facilitate a deal whereby these Palestinians would be taken in and dispersed across Western nations because 
at the end of the day, whether it's by complete annihilation or by complete displacement, that land, as far as Israel is concerned, cannot be part of a one or two state solution. The only solution it can be part of is the Greater Israel Project, and that is their end game. So that's their end game. Um, so regarding democracy, and so this is this is using um, you know what you mentioned about a, a one state solution as kind of an example of uh, maybe some of the worst fears about democracy. In if if you had a sudden one state solution, or everybody who is in the territory that had been part of the uh, Palestinian mandate that that uh, Britain governed between, you know, its establishment by the uh, League of Nations and then uh, when Britain finally withdrew in, um, I guess, 1947, 1948. Uh, If if all that, if everybody there just became a citizen of a, a, a single state, you would have relatively evenly divided uh, uh, territory, I mean, not territory, uh, a population. You would have a population of about uh, 7 million Jews and about 7 million Arabs, Palestinian Arabs. And one person, one vote uh and they're very, very, you know, these are people who have very, very sharply differentiated interests, very sharply differentiated interests. And with one person, one vote, it's just a demographic race who can produce the most babies. And, you know, if you have a state, the state's supposed to be concerned with the welfare of its citizens. And one of the, the, the first um, priorities is the children, right? The the they're they're born that you've got health care for them you've got education for them and and you're expecting everybody to pay for the children and then the children uh are you know the the future rulers and whoever can pump out the most children is going to take control of the country it shows a, a a in a very dramatic way one of the weaknesses of democracy uh, Winston Churchill famously said that democracy is the worst form of government except for every other form of government that's ever been tried. And, you know, you, the way you explain democracy is, is uh, people have representation in a parliament. And, you know, that sounds fine, but you can look at it in the context of a uh, theoretical one-state solution between the uh, Palestinians and Israelis and see a massive weakness there. And this was... Actually, this is in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s in African countries. This, the African countries were mostly ruled by military juntas. And they were saying, look, democracy can't work here because of this kind of, because of, this kind of reason. Um, so th- there's a, a real weakness there. And, you know, what do you really want from government? Well, you want, you want the, the, the best welfare, the best results. Uh, the best well-being for for the people who live there, and does that necessarily mean giving equal representation to um, people who uh, to, to all people exactly the same? To people, selfish people get the same representation as um, what 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 what's the um, you know people who care about others. <laughs>
Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family. And we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high quality pastures meats. And even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now I'm not talking about the bottom of the barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free range or even cage free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. people exactly the same to people selfish people get the same representation as um what what what, what's the um you know people who care about others uh smart people and stupid people get the same representation self you know selfish people and uh um it's early in the morning but you get the idea so that's one thing one other thing i want to bring up and this is this is a peculiarity of israel so as you mentioned, the the people in the West Bank, the people in the people in the West Bank, and the people in East East Jerusalem. So the West Bank has has not been formally annexed by Israel, but Israel has been moving hundreds of thousands of Jews into it. 
and uh, East Jerusalem has been formally annexed by Israel, and they've moved hundreds of thousands of Jews into that, although it still has an Arab majority, the uh, rest of the world does not recognize uh, East Jerusalem as being part of, of Israel. It's a little bit ambiguous about the United States, but it, uh, it, there's not been a formal recognition of that. Um, and then Gaza, Israel had had uh, withdrawn from Gaza in 2005, but has just but has blockaded it ever since. So it's in control of Gaza. It's in control of what goes in and what goes out, without even claiming to occupy it. You got three different statuses there. Obviously, the people, the Arab, so the Arabs who live there don't have representation. But then there's also, um, like, something like eight hundred thousand to a million Arabs who live inside the uh, pre nineteen sixty seven borders of Israel. Those Arabs, those Palestinian Arabs, actually have a vote. So you do have this um, minority of the Arabs who have a vote in in Israel. And the great irony is the fact that they have a vote and the fact that they have representation in parliament makes the uh, resulting Israeli government more extreme in its its um, Jewish nationalism and Jewish supremacy because uh, Israel has a, a very simple proportional representation system. So you've, you're always – the Knesset, the Israeli parliament is somewhere around – like, I don't know what it is, 145, it's 140-something members. And because of the, um, the, the Israeli Arabs are able to vote, you get, you get like a dozen or so Arabs in parliament. And these are people who are essentially untouchables. They cannot be part of any coalition. And in recent decades, the uh, Israeli politics has been marked by uh, a block a, a block around Netanyahu and the and his Likud party, and then a non-Likud bloc, and the but be, and they have to form a uh, what is it? I, actually I guess it's not 104. I guess it's like 120 something. It's 120 something. They've got to um, get a majority of not just the Jewish uh, members of parliament, but of all the members of parliament. And yet the these dozen or so Arab members, they're not. They're not at play. So they what they need is a supermajority of the the Jewish members. So they need sixty percent plus of the Jewish members, not just a simple majority. And what that does is uh, there are these extremist religious parties that wind up being kingmakers, and and they're they are playing an extremely pivotal role in the current government. They are the ones who want to tear down the Al Aqsa Mosque, uh, and it, it was their stated desire to tear down the Al-Aqsa Mosque that helped determine the timing of uh, the October 7th. Now, the the people in, in Gaza, Hamas, sooner or later, I mean, it's sooner or later, if you're going to be repressing people, there's the situation's going to explode. But um, at any rate, I wanted to bring up a, those couple of things. I also have some thoughts about... Um, a two-state solution. But before I get into them, I'm going to kick it back to you, Mark. Well, it's interesting you brought up those points. And what I was talking about democracy, I, I've got to be, I've got to be clear. I wasn't talking about democracy 
in glowing terms or attempting to endorse democracy as a system, because I think democracy has completely failed in the West. But I was talking about it as an ideal that is pushed by mm -hmm. political uh, talking heads here in the West. So, for example, if in the West I was you know, to be running a political organization that you know, was close to getting to power, and one of my pledges was to overhaul the quote-unquote democratic system and make it, you know, sort of different and more representative of the indigenous people of Britain. One of the biggest attacks on me would be by people who would say, hey, this guy is going to, you know, he's going to destroy our democracy. He's going to change the way the country is governed. He's going to take away people's rights. He's not going to allow representation. You're going to have a disenfranchised, you know, ethnic minority or Muslim minority. And people would be very, very upset about that. And I can't imagine there'd be a single Western media outlet that would ever agree with, um, you know, the transformation of democracy here in the UK to something that, that is less democratic. In fact, I think the only thing you could imagine in the UK changing is if they change things to make it, uh, you know, offer more proportional representation at local level. Although I don't believe they would want to do that. We've got a, a sort of a very, very um, stringent first past the post system. The only place that doesn't exist is for the Welsh Assembly, the Scottish Assembly and... truth you're listening to republic broadcasting network real news real talk real people because you can handle the truth kilad Atzman says the essence of jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of jewish power jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it but never talk about it my awakening really sums up with the very best evidence, the facts and the truth about race, and the fact that race drives history, and the truth about the Jewish question. The younger you get, the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQ, RS. This woman, she's like, oh yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago, and I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, you know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try Hemp Paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. 
free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash rbn. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. They would want to do that. We've got a a sort of a very, very um, stringent first-past-the-post system. The only place that doesn't exist is for the Welsh Assembly, the Scottish Assembly, and the uh, L- the Greater London Assembly. So those those devolved powers are basically, um, you know, they're they're sort of given, you know, um, that they're, they're given a different sort of type of um, you know democracy, and basically. But, but what I'm saying is, and this is this is this is important. This is important to note is that would never be tolerable in the West. That would never be tolerable in the West. But it's tolerated and endorsed in Israel. And I was trying to point out the hypocrisy of that because the same media corporations here in the UK, here in, over there in America, that would absolutely not tolerate the discussion of any group being in any way disenfranchised in their respective countries, all support. Israeli treatment of minorities. And again, this is one of the great hypocrisies of our time, that Jews in Israel have rights as a group to that piece of land which would never be given to any other group of people anywhere in the world. There would never be a system anywhere in the world where one group of people held voting rights and another group of people were granted none. That would not be considered as democracy and that would be something that everyone would be up in arms over. But they're not up in arms over it in Israel because the media are, you know, almost completely and totally controlled. It's, it's a monopoly, an ethnic monopoly over our media. And that ethnic monopoly over our media gives... Uh, the people who run Israel a massive advantage over anybody else in the Western world. And this is something that we do talk about a lot. But it is clear to see that Palestinians are denied democracy and brutalized. And nobody is going to speak out for those people. Nobody is going to help those people because those denying them democracy and those doing the brutalizing of the minorities in Israel are Israeli Jews. And they have absolute protection from both our government and our media, both the government and the media are completely united on this issue to the point where 
anybody that as much as calls for a ceasefire here in the UK is basically torn to shreds. They in the UK, people calling for for a ceasefire are de facto the extremists, people calling for more murder, more bombings, more arms to Israel. They are the moderates. They're the moderates. That's how it's being played out, which is obviously a complete inversion of, of both reality and of the English language meaning of extremist. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, we've got the, this situation where you've got uh, Jewish domination of our media uh, and and you've got you, we're coming out of uh, a third of a century where you had American domination of American politics, of international politics. But a lot of things are changing, and they're changing rapidly, but still things take time. And I, I think that both the Ukraine war and this Middle Eastern war triggered by the Gaza situation, and the, well, the Palestinian situation and the Gaza um, uh, atrocities are, are going to be transformative of the international system so, you know, as as you were pointing out, and you were really talking about from an Israeli point of view, the uh, the one state solution isn't acceptable because uh, then they could be outbred and outvoted by Palestinians, and the two state solution isn't acceptable to them uh, because they would have an enemy on the doorstep. And and one you know thing, I mean, I'm sorry, Jews are very. Uh, there are peoples that have there are people that have had a lot of enemies and they uh they do bear grudges they bear grudges for sometimes for thousands of years um and uh not always for the for the most rational reasons so, and prime minister netanyahu his got his cabinet uh unanimously voted that they will not accept any two states solution that's imposed on them. They're not going to accept a two-state solution unless it's one that they have agreed to. And and Netanyahu and other members of the government have 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 uh, on personal levels flat out rejected the idea of of ever having a Palestinian state. I know that at some point there was some high up guy in the one of the Israeli cabinets who quipped, um, "Well, you know, they if." They can have chicken soup, and if they want to call a chicken soup a government, let, let them call it a government. You know, or they want to call chicken soup a state, they can call it a state. Uh, so you know, the a a non-state that is basically a continuation of the status quo, but just called a state. There are uh, elements within Israel that would accept something like that. But the, the thing is, the Israelis have been able to get their way. Or, or get away with, I mean, get their way, well, obviously their way would, would be to expel everybody from these territories. They have not been able to do that because it wouldn't be, it would be too much, too fast. And so they've been playing kind of a slow, a long, slow game for decades to um, slowly establish facts on the ground. That's what they call them, uh, these settlements. And uh, they've been able to get, to get away with what they've gotten away with because of the protection of first the United States, but then also uh, the, the European countries. But of course, as a result of the uh, Ukraine war, as a result of the massive economic growth of China, as a result of the um, high-tech armaments industry that has developed in Russia, as a result of the 
Muslim world, which is a big hunk of the world, their outrage at what's going on in in Gaza, uh, the ability of the United States to um, give Israel a free pass on everything, Israel America doesn't have these free passes to give it, to give it out. So I can foresee a, a scenario where uh, a a solution is imposed on Israel. If Israel doesn't accept it and, and fights, the longer they fight, the worse the worse things could get for them. Netanyahu's and his current government's uh, it, it's it's pretty well understood. The current feeling in Israel is well, we're going to support the the government until the hostilities are over. Then we're going to replace the government. That's not that's not the the uh, most secure position to be in. Uh, things can change. So. Uh, a settlement, I, I could foresee a, a plausible scenario where a settlement is in, is imposed on them, where they Israel loses control of these these lands, uh, Gaza, uh, West East Jerusalem, the uh, the West Bank of, of you know, the West Bank and and the Golan Heights. They lose control of those. The uh, a Palestinian state is established with its uh, with its capital in in east jerusalem jews are expelled from from those areas because there's 700,000 jews in the east bank and uh oh, the west bank in east jerusalem there's 700,000 they could be expelled and israel wouldn't really be able to do much about it it would be a, a massive massive loss for israel it's the type of thing that the israels would never accept voluntarily but uh if depending on how things go uh they might not have the ability to to make a decision the palestinians uh the, the israelis fear that they'll have forever a uh hostile enemy on their border well they would they would have a hostile enemy on their border but uh, an enemy that um could be at least for a period of time placated by or you know bribed bought off by the uh non-western sections of the international community perhaps the entire international community and uh and and besides there uh it would be a population that would have been uh, ravaged by war and would certainly want at least a breathing spell so anyway those are some comments i have i kick it back to you mark uh for your thoughts well it's very interesting because everything that israel seems to have done I think is akin to, to, to building its house fundamentally on sand. They they have built their house on sand. They they put themselves into a position where basically people don't like them. Where you know, that sounds like a really basic point, but people don't like them. You know what they have done is is seeded um, you know, hatred and resentment against themselves. You know from their neighbours. Um, from people around them, from people within their own borders. And I do think there could have been, at one point, a peaceful solution to this issue that could have pleased not everyone. I'm not an idiot. I'm not, I don't believe you can please you know, everybody. But it could have, it could have fundamentally pleased um, a lot more people than are being pleased at the moment. You know, at the moment, really... Actually, no one is being <laughs> is being pleased, uh, and and that's you know that is a that is a fundamental fact. You know, we're not have, we're in a situation now where you know nobody is happy really, and um, 
I think things are are going to get worse. And I think the interesting thing for the Jewish population is that uh, fundamentally their plan to move uh, potentially millions of people from the Middle East to the West as a way of you know, getting rid of their problem is, a, is, again, very, very flawed. And the reason it's so flawed is because Israel relies upon the West. And this basically takes me back to what I was saying earlier. In the West, we do have a system which is uh, more democratic. And what we've seen here in the West, especially here in the UK, is a complete capture of local politics via the Muslim population. So there are towns and cities now around the UK that are completely controlled by Muslims. Now, at the moment, there seems to be a giant changing in the way uh, the winds are blowing in terms of Muslim politicians. And there seems to be um, a sort of attempt, I wouldn't say to reverse that completely, because you can't reverse that. But there seems to be an attempt to ensure those people are, to some degree, kept out of Parliament, because um, there is a huge furore at the moment over uh, Muslims essentially getting into parliament and having opinions uh, or negative opinions about the state of Israel, which is very, very interesting. And you see here in the UK, you would never get away with changing the democratic system. You'd never get away with stripping people of their right to vote or stripping people of their representation. But the Muslim population here in the UK, especially if especially if Jews have their way in, in the Middle East, in, in in Israel, with potentially millions of the uh, of Palestinians being displaced, the Muslim population in the UK is is growing rapidly. It's one of the most rapidly growing sections of the population. And I've spoken to Muslims. I, I, I've actually talked to them, and I've said, you know, what's more important to you, religion or politics? And they always smile and say they are the same thing. They say they are the same thing to them. Religion and politics is the same thing. So when they have, you know, you would never have a political meeting in a church. But Muslims will have a political meeting in a mosque. Politicians will go to mosques in the UK and beg for the Islamic vote. Because to Muslims, whether we like it or not, politics and religion are intertwined. They are the same thing. So it may work for Israel in the short term to kick uh, large amounts of Muslims out or disenfranchise them or ensure that they um, ensure that they can't vote. But over time, that situation is not going to work because the reason Israel has so much power is because it has so much Western support and they might be able to keep Muslims out of parliament. They might be able to suppress the Muslim voice in parliament for for a little while longer. But over time, what you are going to see in the UK is those local power bases that are enjoyed by Muslim population. Uh, Muslim populations, they are either going to completely take over the likes of the Labour Party in the UK, or they're going to break away from the Labour Party. And when they break away from the Labour Party, they're going to form their own Islamic Party. And once they begin to get successful votes in parliamentary elections, and once they begin to get dedicated uh, Muslim MPs in Parliament, 
you're going to who, who are there basically just to push for a Muslim agenda. Those mixed with, you know, white left wing um politicians who also despise zionism and the state of israel because they view it as a western white colonial outpost we know it's not but that's how they view it you're gonna see some big changes you're gonna see the kind of changes which are sweeping and everything that israel does seems to be to ensure a future for israel yet everything they do also seems to be very short-sighted and that's something i always found quite interesting because they are going to ship these people to the west but these people are going to grow in number and they are going to capture the democratic systems in the west because as i said earlier there is no way that any government in the western world would ever in a million years actually uh you know fight to disenfranchise an ethnic minority from politics i mean obviously if you're in germany and it's white people speaking up well there'll be talks of uh you know banning political parties but they wouldn't do that to muslims they wouldn't get away with doing that to muslims i don't think they'd even get away with floating that as an idea and this is going to be very interesting because if israel keeps on the path it's on it will it will um it it, it will um it will basically um end up in a position where it loses its western support so if it, if it shifts what it perceives as a problem if it shifts what it perceives as a problem to europe then europe and the west will cease to support israel which will further diminish israel's power in the middle east mm-hmm. yeah so there's there's that going on there's uh, at the same time and and increasingly there's a, a the separate ph- phenomenon of the power of the West globally receding, and and you're so we're in a transitional phase right now. And so, for instance, um, Egypt still receives uh, about two billion or so in foreign aid every year from the United States, but it just joined BRICS, and uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia has. It doesn't currently, but in the past, it's hosted American military. During the first Gulf War, it hosted uh, American military bases. It's it's still using the dollar to sell its its uh, oil, but it it joined BRICS. And uh, whereas when Tony Blinken went to Saudi Arabia, he was met by a very very low official in the middle of the night at the airport, uh, and and had to wait around for a couple. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-4673. That's 
888-888-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. Drinksupertea.com. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee... You have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Tony Blinken went to Saudi Arabia. He was met by a very, very low official in the middle of the night at the airport uh, and and had to wait around for a, a couple of days to meet anybody important. When Vladimir Putin went to Saudi Arabia some months ago, uh, he was given a massive hero's welcome. So you're, you're seeing these shifts going on. Uh, it, these things can take time, but the even... Even while the uh, there is still a guilt-ridden uh, Christian white majority that's nominally um, in control of European countries, even 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 then you still have uh, they're being destroyed because while they're being destroyed uh, in their own country, they the they are losing power around the world. So, you know, multi multi multicultural America is not as strong as white America was. And uh, and it's it's losing power. And and these 
this block of countries, BRICS and the Arab League, that aren't con- that aren't concerned about um, uh, gayness and uh, and self-flagellation over perceived historical guilt. Uh, they're they're doing very well, thank you. So anyway, uh, just kicking that out there. We're pretty much towards at the end of the show. Um, I, whatever final thoughts you have, and then whatever you have uh, on tap for this week for for your audience, I'd like to hear about it. Well, this week I have um, Adam Green on the show, and I've got a number of programs that are out already that anyone can go and and have a look at, have a watch. Uh, They're out every week, so last week's programming is up to be uh, talked about. And the last video I did was actually called um, Muslims Don't Control British Politics, Zionists Do. And it was about actually this issue of how uh, Muslims are taking over local politics in the UK, but that local politics is something which worries the establishment. So what's happening now is there is a desperate attempt by both of the the large monolithic, you know, old gang political parties to prevent that translating into any form of Zionist or or sort of anti-Zionist power base in Parliament, because they're panicking about that. You know, you actually now have a situation in the UK where um, Muslim candidates begin their election campaign in foreign languages Uh, and but then those people are pledging their support um you know against the zionist cause which they're absolutely uh, terrified about that that sounds fascinating and also how was your uh your your show with kevin mcdonald I've got a great show with Kevin McDonald that's up on my Odyssey, my BitChute, my uh, Rumble, and you can check that out. That was about the uh, Putin interview, and I think it's a good. I think it's a good rounded take. I think Kevin McDonald is. Uh, I think Kevin McDonald is always just fabulous, and he gave a very, very interesting take. His his positions on these things were were superb, and uh, I think that anyone that checks that out would very much enjoy what he has to say. Okay, well, thanks so much for joining me, Mark. Thank you for having me on, my friend. And I'll be back again tomorrow with another exciting episode of National Legal Radio. Simple with Colorado Shilajee. Fact bit number two. In Ayurvedic pharmacology, Shilajee is the king Raza Yoga Vahayana. Razayana is one of the comprehensive disciplines of Ayurveda. It comprises of specialized uses of herbal minerals to achieve the optimum state of health. Razayana is a path to achieve homeostasis and thus retarding the process of aging and the prevention of diseases. Shilaji stands alone as the king herbal mineral over all other earth-made substances. Within Razayana, Shilaji is the ultimate substance that improves quality of plasma and blood. Thus, it strengthens and promotes health to all tissues of the body. Legit Shilaji, like Colorado Shilaji, is as the literal Sanskrit translation implies. Shilaji is the conqueror of mountains and the destroyer of weakness. 
Look for the Gold Mountain and Medical Symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.